You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation, and welcome to the Locked On Saints podcast, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints. We are brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get to hear the local experts on the biggest stories, your team, every day. I am your host, Ross Jackson, lead analyst over at AllSaintsConsidered.com. And as always, I'd like to start with a big thank you and welcome to our newest listeners, as well as for all of those of you who have been rocking with me for a minute, whether it's your first time or your next time, know that I always love hearing from everyone that tunes in, reads, and follows. So hit me up on Twitter at Ross Jackson. And ASC, and of course, that ASC stands for All Saints Considered.com, where you can find my as well as other talented writers, articles, and podcasts, your source for up to the minute Saints news, opinions, and analysis for Saints fans by Saints fans. And it is Monday. Of course, we had a whole weekend of football just run by us just yesterday uh, and Saturday if you're a college football fan. Uh, but of course, the Saints have been out of action since the Thursday night loss to the Cowboys. So I wanted to spend today's episode talking, at least for the first segment, about records and seeding and how those factor into Super Bowl wins. And then in our second segment, we'll jump over to talking about some mailbag questions that I got. I reached out on Twitter for some mailbag questions. I'm going to start doing this probably every week. So keep an eye on my Twitter, Ross Jackson ASC for those, as well as you can always join the Facebook group, Locked On Saints group on Facebook. Uh, I get some questions from over there as well. So we'll do some mailbag questions, talking everything from Eli Apple, Brandon Marshall, what did the Cowboys expose, all of those kinds of things. And then we'll finish up by taking a look at the biggest news from around the league, including what the Saints playoff outlook is after this weekend's action. All that and a little bit of lanyard right here on Locked On Saints. All right, so with the Saints' loss to Dallas on Thursday, it really only means one thing, and that's the Saints can't win out and go 15-1. and The best record that they can achieve now is 14-2, and and so that got me to thinking about what it might look like for the Saints, you know, 15-1, and 14-2, and what do those percentages look like? And I got some big, big, big help from the homie and just family of the show, I'll say, Volstead Gridband, who hit me up on Twitter and gave me some information, did a little bit of research, so I appreciate that I'm going to be sharing all of that. So right now, we're looking at the difference between 15 and 1, 12 and 4, and everything in between. Of the 38-16 game seasons, the NFL average for total wins for each playoff team that has won a Super Bowl is 12 and 5. So that's why I'm starting with that whole like 12 and 4 area and then going up to 15 and 1 because I want to see what the Saints could have done versus what they very well could do. So that's 15 and 1, 14 and 2, which is the best that they can do at this point. 13 and 3, which is what I had them pegged at at the beginning of the season and 12 and 4, which in my opinion is the worst that they can do. Don't get me wrong. They can go 11 and 5, but I just don't see that happening. Uh, so let's look at Super Bowl teams. Now I'm leaving out 16 and 0 because there's only ever been one team to do that and they got to the, to the Super Bowl and they lost it because of Eli Manning and David Tyree's helmet. So I'm starting at 16 and 1. So I'm sorry, at 15 and 1. So. Of the 15-1 and one teams, of which there are six, 
three of them have made it to the Super Bowl. That's 50%. Of the 14 and two teams, 13 have made it to the Super Bowl. That's 65%. Of the 13 and three teams, 19 have made it to the Super Bowl, 42%. And of the 12 and four teams, 19 have also made it to the Super Bowl, 24%. Now, those percentages are of teams that have finished with that record since the 16. Uh, since the 16 game season began. So that's what what those percentages are. So the majority of teams that have made it to the Super Bowl with their finishing record are 14 and 2. Of course, that is a smaller percentage. That's a smaller number of teams with the other records. I believe that of the uh, 14 and 2, there have only been 20 teams to finish 14 and 2, 13 and 3, there have been, I think, 45. And then 12 and 4, there's been 78. So of course, 78 has a lower percentage of teams that have made it to the Super Bowl, but the teams that have made it to the Super Bowl the most in terms of those records are 13 and 3 and 12 and 4. So that fits in perfectly with what uh, Volstead Gridband shared with me was that, uh, which I mentioned earlier, which is that the average win amount for a team to go to go to or win a Super Bowl is 12 and 5. So now let's look at Super Bowl wins. Now these percentages that I give at the end here are percentages for the teams that have made it to the Super Bowl, not all-time 16 game with that record. So of 15 and two, three, I'm sorry, two out of the three have won the Super Bowl. That's a 66%. But of course, those two were in the 80s, right? So that was the the Bears of 85 and the 49ers of 84. And that's pretty much it. We've only had one other 15 and one team even make it to the Super Bowl since then. And that was Carolina. And that didn't work out great for them. Uh, so 14 and two, eight of the 13, that's 62% that have made it to the Super Bowl won it. 13 and three, nine of the 19, that's 47% that have made it to the Super Bowl won it. And then 12 and four, 11 out of 19 that have made it to the Super Bowl won it. That's 58% for 12 and four. So the numbers look really good for you if you're really anywhere within that. It's highly unlikely to see a team even make it to the Super Bowl uh, 15 and one or finish 15 and one for that matter. Uh, the Rams look like they might be able to do it. I'm expecting a loss for them this week against the Bears at Soldier Field. So they might be walking in 14 and two. I'm hoping for the Saints to walk into this, to the playoffs 14 and two, uh, myself. And so we'll see exactly how this all, all pans out. But if you're asking me, I'm more comfortable as a Saints fan and as somebody that covers the Saints, watching the Saints walk into a Super Bowl 13 and three or 14 and two, even 12 and four because historically the numbers are just better and the likelihood is better that you're going to make it to the Super Bowl there and then particularly at 14 and 2 the likelihood is better that you also win the Super Bowl with that record now let's transition over to seeding so since 2002 that's since the since the merger 16 years 18 of the 32 Super Bowl teams were number one seeds that made it to the Super Bowl of those 18 number one seven won. so you can look at it as you know, the largest portion of Super Bowl wins since 2002 has gone to the number one seed if you look at it number by number. But if you look at it group by group, actually, because nine of those Super Bowl wins have gone to non-number one seeds, it's almost better to go in as a non-number one, which you can see further when you look at the fact that uh, number one has faced a lesser seeded team eight times in the Super Bowl. And in those games, the number one seed is two and six. Now, in recent years, heavily, heavily, things have been favored for the number one seeds as in the 
the last five Super Bowls, nine out of the 10 teams were number one seeds, and thus a number one seed has won each of those last five Super Bowls. The only non-number one was a number two, which was Atlanta, and that didn't go all too well for them. So all told, the Saints don't need 15-1 and to get to the Super Bowl and win. But what would be at least helpful is to walk away with a first round bye. And recent history shows us that that is really helpful going into the Super Bowl or going into the playoffs because since 2002, at least one number one or number two seed teams with a first round bye has made it to the Super Bowl. So that's really the big thing that I'm looking for is for them to get that first round bye, potentially even steal away the number one seed if they can. But the record that they have when they do it uh, is a little bit irrelevant to me. 15 and 1, 14 and 2 doesn't make too much of a difference. As we've seen, percentages show you that 15 and 1 isn't the most advantageous way to walk into the playoffs anyway. And that seeding tells you a much larger story. So, all right, stick around because coming up next, we're doing some mailbag questions. And then we're going to be talking about the newest coaching firing at the end of today's episode when we go through the biggest news from around the league. Stick around. All right, yeah, so watching football is a lot of fun, but it's even more entertaining when you have some action on those games, y'all. You've heard me talk about this for weeks, and some of you are still sitting on the sidelines, so whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting with my bookie. If you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing numbers on a roulette wheel, you can win by creating a big parlay with my bookie. Pick three teams to win. If you hit on all three, you could easily turn $100 into $600. And there's so much more to bet on. College basketball and football, NBA, NHL, custom props, even esports, you name it. My bookie is the one bet that I know that you will definitely be happy with all year. I recommend this service because I truly really trust them. MyBookie has been in business for years. They've got great reviews online and their mobile site is mad easy to use. Sign up this week and MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Also, make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter because they personally respond to every mention and DM, not to mention that they've given away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers just this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to MyBookie right now and use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get 50% deposit bonus right now. That's promo code LOCKEDON. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, we are now jumping over to my mailbag segment for this Monday. So I put out a tweet earlier, I guess it was at the end of last week, asking for mailbag questions. I got a couple from Twitter via v, uh, via DMs and from uh, one from a response. And then I got a couple from uh, our Facebook group as well, which if you're not a part of the Facebook group, get on that Locked on Saints group on Facebook. Uh, check it out there. We do a lot of conversations and share a lot of memes and everything over there. Just have a good old time. Time. Uh, and you know, it's your usual Facebook group. It's it's 50% serious and 15% cracking jokes. So check it out. Uh, did I say 15 and whatever? That's fine. I'll keep that. I'll keep that. I don't care. The other 35% is just time spent being dope, and that's fine. I have a good time with that. All right, so let's jump over to the Facebook group. I'll read some of these questions. Uh, the first one that I got is from the homie, uh, Jody Mwindu. He asks, How is Eli Apple doing in his brief Saints tenure? Has he been better than Crawley? Was the trade worth it thus far? All right, so I'm going to answer these in order. How is he doing so far? far in his Saints tenure. So let's look at this. This is a uh, just a comparison that I grabbed from stats 
from Pro Football Focus, not the grades, just the stats. Uh, so Eli Apple has played 242 coverage snaps so far this season. King Crawley played 252 so far as well. So now remember, King Crawley has been sort of in and out. He's played, uh, you know, ever since the trade for Eli Apple, he's fallen to fourth in the in the cornerback depth chart. So that's worth keeping in mind and factoring in as we go through all these stats. So again, 242 to 252 coverage snaps. Uh, Crawley has taken 10 additional coverage snaps or 10 more than Eli Apple. Uh, in that time, Eli Apple has been targeted 47 times and allowed 34 catches. That's a 72% catch rate. Crawley has uh, has been targeted 40 times and has allowed 30 catches. That's a 75% catch rate. So that's pretty close. Uh, Eli Apple gets the edge just barely. Uh, Eli Apple has also allowed 452 yards to Ken Crawley's 484 yards. Uh, and then two touchdowns to four touchdowns. Eli Apple has allowed only two while Crawley allowed four. Eli Apple has the one interception on the season. And they're both sitting around the same place in terms of pass breakups, three pass breakups for Eli Apple, four pass breakups for King Crawley. Uh, Eli Apple has had six penalties called on him, three of which, though, came in this Dallas game, two of which were declined and or offset. So four penalties against, which is the exact same as King Crawley, four penalties against as well. Lattimore is pretty much... Uh, in kind of in the same boat in terms of percentages and things like that, but has played way more coverage snaps. He's played almost twice as many coverage snaps uh, as Eli Apple. Almost, he's, he's not quite there, but he's also allowed only he's also allowed two touchdowns and one interception. Has five pass breakups uh, and has three penalties called against him as well. Uh, and he's allowed you know 587 yards, which is actually already four more yards than he allowed all last season. So when I look at those numbers and I look at the way that these two you know, when I look at Eli Apple and Ken Crawley, I think Eli Apple is a lot more Marshawn Lattimore than he is Ken Crawley. And there's a couple of things to consider here. First of all, just the level of competition. Eli Apple has allowed uh, touchdowns to, you know, has allowed two touchdowns and Ken Crawley allowed four, but Ken Crawley also allowed four touchdowns to, to sort of inferior competition. Remember that King Crawley saw his competition against Tampa Bay, Tyrod Taylor's version of the Browns, Eli Manning and, and, and Washington. Meanwhile, Eli Apple has faced Minnesota, the Rams, Cincinnati, where he only allowed 13 yards, and Philly, where he only allowed 27 yards. Both of them allowed big yardage against Atlanta, but no touchdowns. And keep in mind, too, that Eli Apple was actually matched up and shadowing Julio Jones the entire game, as opposed to King Crawley, who, you know, ended up coming in for only half the game in uh, the second, what was it, the second half after P.J. Williams got benched, and then he gave up big yardage to Calvin Ridley until they ended up swapping him over as well. So, look, Apple struggled against Dallas because he had technique technique issues early on, uh, and then he settled in after the first quarter. He did a good job for getting his mistakes early and getting back on the wagon. I know a lot of people are pointing at the fact that he got beat by a double move later in the game, but to me, that's indicative of a guy that was trying to make a play and jump a route to get his team the ball back and try to get his team back in the ball game. I would personally, I personally sleep better with that mistake than completely blown coverages and a complete lack of communication. So as far as I'm concerned, yes, I think that the trade was worth it. And I think that Eli Apple has actually played excellent. And keep in mind that one of the reasons that Eli Apple is being doubted right now is simply because of his performance in that last Thursday night game. So remember to take a look at the entire season and what he's done in which he's held receivers when he's held entire teams and you know the, his entire coverage assignments to under 25 yards twice so far this season, which is something that um, 
that Ken Crawley only did once, and that was against Washington, that didn't, I, that again doesn't have a passing game, or didn't have a passing game. Well, doesn't have a passing game anymore either, <laughs> even more so. So, uh, so I would say, yeah, I mean, he's definitely better. He's definitely been an improvement, and he's definitely worth the trade, considering that the Saints didn't really give anything up for him. You're not going to get a first round talent in the fourth round at corner every time that you draft somebody, right? So you run into a big boom or bust kind of situation in the draft, where at least this time you can see you've watched this guy's tape for the you know years that he's been in the league and say this is something that we know we can work with and he's he's been a good he's been a good addition to this team so far uh second question that i got over on the facebook group was whether or not we'll see brandon marshall this week this comes from chris mcdonald and geez man i sure hope so <laughs> if nothing else i'm hoping for it uh look i truly believe that had he been active against the against the cowboys that they would have scored in that red zone possession the one that led to the turnover on downs that i think it was their third possession like either because of the fact that they have a big body you know they would have had a big body to receiver opposite uh, Mar- um, uh, Michael Thomas to throw to or just the threat of having both he and Michael Thomas on the field against uh, you know against those corners would have helped you know open up the field a little bit more but I definitely think that having him against Tampa Bay is going to be huge especially against Tampa's diminutive corners look they played yesterday without their three starting cornerbacks and if they do that again this Sunday they're in for a long day as Drew Brees bounces back from his Thursday night game uh, and and you know this entire team looks for revenge for what happened week one. All right, next question that I got came from Rusty Munson, old head, uh, coming through uh, asking, what do you think that the Cowboys expose? Should we be worried? I'm personally not worried at all. Look, what the Cowboys expose, uh, I think that the Cowboys expose the Saints less than the Saints kind of self-sabotage in the way that their offense played. I don't think that the Cowboys really laid out a blueprint for the rest of the league to follow, especially on defense. Uh, you hear a lot of analysts and media folks that are talking about a great job that the that their offense did controlling the clock and time of possession and, uh, you know, I think that that really all kind of came down to the Saints offense not being able to convert on third down and keep themselves on the field. And yeah, the pass rush from the from uh, Denver, I'm sorry, from Dallas had a lot to do with that. But I'm not really sure that there's a such thing as a blueprint or that they really exposed the Saints. The way that I see it is that I mean, you can look at the way that the Saints defense played and you tell me honestly, do you think that it was the Cowboys controlling the clock against that defense earlier than the final drive in which they controversially converted three fourth uh three third three different third downs uh you know thinking about that Cole Beasley one yard short pass and catch that uh Sean Payton wasn't able to challenge because he used the challenges early in the game I I really don't look at the Cowboys game as a game that they want I look at it as a game that the Saints lost and I'm sorry like if if for whatever reason a Cowboys fan is listening to this then I I'm, I'm sorry but I just don't see this as a game that the Cowboys dominated and I guarantee that if Sean Payton got another crack at Dallas this would not be a 10 to 13 game you could take the Saints offense from Thursday night and put them up against almost any other team in the league and the Saints will still lose that game it doesn't really to me have anything to do with what Dallas was able to do now I will give Dallas props for their pass rush and making Drew Brees uncomfortable but like a pass rush will make any quarterback uncomfortable and the offensive line struggled against Dallas but they excelled against way more premier groups like Minnesota and Los Angeles so I'm not worried the Saints had one of their worst offensive outputs in a game ever since 2006 at least in terms of being out of rhythm and out of sync and that had more to do with issues for the Saints and play calling than it did with Dallas actually exposing them.
All right, and the final one here comes from Volsted Gridvan over on Twitter. He tweeted me and he said, I've seen a lot of folks on Reddit just convinced that there's no way that the Saints can beat the Rams if they don't have the number one seed. Talk about how the Saints can beat the Rams in LA as easily as they can beat the Rams in the Dome. Now, here's here's what I'm going to say. Beating the Rams in Los Angeles at the Coliseum, I don't know that the Saints can do it as easily as they could in the Dome, but I will say this. They can beat Los Angeles at the Coliseum, and here's why. I think they'd at least, let me say it this way, they'd stand way more of a chance of beating LA in LA than the Rams would stand beating the Saints in New Orleans, as we saw earlier this year, particularly in a playoff home environment. So now here's here's a couple of reasons why. First of all, the Coliseum would be filled with a ton of Saints fans. LA has a big problem with this, whether it's the Chargers or the Rams, the away teams travel, I won't say as, won't say better than the home uh, home crowds, but sometimes it's contentious. I'll say it that way. Uh, next thing, the crowd noise is a lot less of an issue in the Coliseum than it is in the Superdome. The Coliseum is huge, and because of that, it doesn't trap sound the way that, of course, a dome will. You can see the Vikings and Rams Thursday night game, uh, which was packed, but much quieter than the Superdome is on a Sunday-to-Sunday basis. The Saints have the edge uh, as well in terms of playoff experience with a young quarterback and a young coach. You know, the look, they they got knocked out of the playoffs last year. So did the Saints. Don't get me wrong, but the Saints have a lot more playoff experience than these LA Rams do. And it took a fluke to get the Saints out of the playoffs last year. Uh, it, it's not going to be a warm evening game like it would be, but LA, because LA does get a little chilly at night, but it's nothing like playing against Philadelphia <laughs> around playoff time, uh, for instance, just, just as an example, which is a game that the Saints have won in the playoffs in Philadelphia. In away games against Western Division teams in either conference, the Saints are seven and five. If you remove Denver and Kansas City from those and you stick with just West Coast teams, they're actually six and two. And beyond that, if you take those West Coast teams and you talk about games in which the temperature was 70 degrees or less, which is about as cold as it gets in Los Angeles in the evening, the Saints are four and one. So I think that the Saints can easily uh, go into, oh, let me not say easily, but I think that the Saints can more easily than people expect go into the Coliseum and beat the Rams come playoff time if they don't get the number one seed and home field advantage and need to get a win in order to get to the Super Bowl. So those are my answers. That's how I feel. Uh, let me know if you've got any different opinions or anything like that or anything that I said. Hit me up on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Join the Facebook group, start a conversation, get into it. All right, I got to head to a break here, but once we come back, we're going to talk about some of the biggest news from around the including new coaching moves, who might be going where, who for sure is no longer around, all of those things stick around, coming right back. Is your company looking for a new way to reach new customers where your company could be mentioned right here on Locked on Saints? Just hit me up at RossJacksonASC at gmail.com and I'll give you all the information you need to know about how to get your company mentioned right here on Locked on Saints. All right, Houdet Nation, welcome back. We're here to talk about some of the biggest stories from around the league. First of all, probably the biggest thing going on right now is that Mike McCarthy, former head coach of the Green Bay Packers, now has been let go after the Green Bay's loss, after the Green Bay's loss, after the Packers' loss, uh, 17 to 20 against Arizona. Apparently, the Browns of Cleveland fame are already reportedly working on how to get him to Cleveland. The Packers now sit at four, seven, and one. No further comments. Panthers and Falcons lost yesterday. That drops the uh, Panthers to 6-6, which gives the Saints a comfortable lead atop the NFC South. Essentially, in order for the Saints to lose the NFC South, they'd have to lose out, and the Panthers would have to win out. Don't see that happening. And Atlanta dropped to 4-8, which puts them at the bottom of their division after their loss this week to the Ravens. 
with that Panthers loss, their fourth in a row. They've also parted ways with defensive line coach Brad Brady Hokey, as well as their defensive backs coach Jeff Imamura. Uh, look, Carolina has had trouble with their pass rush and secondary all season, letting go of some coaches. Not a good look for this point in the season, so uh, that should give them some more trouble, honestly, coming into the rest, because now they're going to have to fill in those spots and everything like that with new coaches and new vocabulary. Uh, the Bears lost to the Giants 27-30 to in overtime, dropping their record to 8-4, and which keeps the Saints two games ahead for the first round bye as well. You heard me talk about how important that was earlier. The Rams win and are now 11-1, meaning that they are the current number one seed in the NFC will have to beat the Bears at Soldier Field next weekend to keep the lead against the Saints, especially if the Saints get back on the horse after the Thursday night loss moving forward to the rest of the season. And one more win for the Saints, by the way, and New Orleans clinches the division and thus a playoff berth. They're second in a row, second year in a row, winning the NFC South. All right, everybody, that does it for today's Locked on Saints. Make sure you come back tomorrow. It's Thursday, so you know we're going through our pro football focus grades for offense and defense, taking a look at that loss against the against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's next week against the Dallas Cowboys. And then we're going to start previewing the next game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which comes up on Sunday. And of course, Wednesday, you're going to hear me and the homies David and James from over at Locked on Bucks with our crossover episode on Wednesday. So it'll be a fun week over here at Locked on Saints. Thank you so much for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Find Locked on Saints on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is that you get your podcast from. Just be sure to subscribe so you know when the newest episodes drop every Monday through Friday. Rate, share, review, retweet. Thank you so much for all of your support and helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and trust who that nation. I'll holla at you. Hey everyone, Jake Madison here, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Basketball season is upon us and big things are in store for the Pelicans after making the playoffs last year. Keep up with everything going on around Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, and the rest of the team with the daily Locked On Pelicans podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.